Let's pray. Holy God and gracious God, sanctify us by your word. Bring us ever closer in faith in Christ Jesus and him alone. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're just joining us today, or as a refresher, we're doing a mini-series, a three-part series on the Reformation. This is the last of the uh, three parts. And in the first part, we said there was one fundamental question that really started the whole Reformation. And it is this. Is Scripture alone the source of all matters in faith and life? And this is a fundamental question because if that is not the source of all authority, of authority in all matters of faith and life, then kind of all bets are off because we just go wherever we want. The second question, and this is what we covered last week, is how are you made righteous or declared righteous before God who is so holy and righteous? And the answer is by faith alone. It is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ and his gospel that God declares you righteous. You can see how fundamental these two questions and how you answer them are to our faith and thus to the Reformation. Now the third question might seem like a no-brainer, but it is this, who saves you? It might seem to be a silly question, but it is not, and Scripture is very clear. It is Christ and Him alone who saves you. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what's the problem? Well, historically, if you start to add things to saving faith, if you say, Yes, Jesus saves you, but you must also have indulgences. You must also have purgatory. You must also fast. You must also pray to the saints. You must also, do you see this? It goes on and on and on. And when you do that, when you're told, yes, believe in Christ and do these things and you shall be saved, then Jesus is not sufficient. It is not Christ alone. So let me give you a little more historical context, okay? Luther originally didn't set out to be a monk. He didn't want to. His father was a very well-to-do and wealthy mineral miner. And he wanted Luther to be a lawyer. So in 1505, Luther was going from his home back to law school and he was 21 years old, it was in the midst of this huge thunderstorm, I mean huge thunderstorm, and there was a lightning bolt that landed really close to him, and it was loud, and it shook him to his core, and he cried out this, help me Saint Anne, and I will be a monk. That's what he cried out. So why would he cry out, help me Saint Anne? Well, his father was a miner, 
and miners prayed to Saint Anne. She, that saint, is the one who intercedes on behalf of miners. So that was the practice of the Catholic Church then and today. You pray to the saints, and they really pray to Mary for intercession. So this became even more, though. Instead of just praying to the saints, which, by the way, when you do that, creates a gap between you and Jesus. It's not you and Jesus, it's you and the saints, and then Jesus. But the Catholic Church says, well, it's the Pope who has the power, or the bishops, or the cardinal, or the church itself, because the Catholic Church would say there is no salvation outside the church. You can understand how this becomes a difficulty. And thus, people don't rely on Christ alone. They rely on Christ plus other things, other mediators for salvation. And thus, there's really no assurance of that salvation. Do you understand what's at stake here? Okay, so, this is a high-level overview. By the way, there's a lot more nuance that goes with this. But that's a high-level overview. So the question is, Who saves you? Who is your mediator? Is it Christ alone, or is it Christ plus something you do, or the saints, or Mary, or the Pope, or the Catholic Church, or even a pastor? Who is your mediator for your salvation? That's the question. Now, Scripture answers this quite clearly in many, many ways. Today, we're going to focus on the letter to the Hebrews. A lot of people don't know the letter to the Hebrews. They've, you've never read it. By the way, it's worth reading several times over, right in a row. And the basic purpose of the letter to the Hebrews is this. It points how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. As both a high priest perfect sacrifice, and mediator. That's what the letter of Hebrews does again and again and again. It says, here's what happens in the Old te- hat happened in the Old Testament, and now how Christ fulfilled that completely. So here is, if, if you want it in the whole sentence today, this is what we're working on today. Jesus alone is our high priest and perfect sacrifice and thus the only mediator who saves us. So we're going to go to the text today. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. I'm actually going to read 11 through 14, because I want to have that in our forefront. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then though the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish 
purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. A lot of people don't know much about the Old Testament and very little about the Old Testament sacrificial system. And you have to understand that a little bit for this to make sense. So God allowed sacrifices. Blood was spilled for the atonement of sin. And in the Old Testament, blood was important just as it is important today. Because when blood was spilled in the sacrifice, you realize that death occurred because of sin. And a life was given so that you may live. That was the purpose of the, the reminder of the Old Testament sacrifice. And nowhere is this made more clear than in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. By the life. You see, to make atonement was to cover the sins, to make a propitiation for the sin. That sounds like a big fancy word. It's actually in the Bible. Propitiation means that the appeasement of that there is an appeasement of wrath. So if there's atonement for sin, a propitiation for sin, there is an appeasement for the wrath of God on that sin. And in the Old Testament, all of this took place in the tabernacle. So if you recall, there was a courtyard around it, and then there was the tent, the tabernacle. And it was divided between the holy place and the holy of holies. So, in the holy of holies, you would find the Ark of the Covenant. And let's see how much you remember, okay? Three things in the Ark of the Covenant... What's one? The, the tablets? Yeah, okay. So, yes, ten, command, ten commandments, the tablets. Ten commandments, what's another? Manna, good. Aaron's rod. I, I know, that's always like the trick question, isn't it? Okay? But on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that was what was called the mercy seat. And so before the mercy seat of God, the high priest, and it was the high priest only, who would come before the mercy seat, would come and offer a sacrifice, an atonement for all of Israel. So you have to understand the role of a high priest. A high priest was first and foremost a representative of all the Israelites. He brought his sin and the sin of all the Israelites before God, before the mercy seat. And he was also the mediator between the Israelites and God. And it was only the high priest that could actually stand before the presence of God. And all of this took place on one day. And it's the high holy day in the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. That's actually the, the high holy day. But the high priest had to offer a sacrifice year 
after year after year. Because although a sacrifice was made and forgiveness was given, there wasn't a, ever a perfect sacrifice for the sin of mankind, for the sin of the Israelites. And thus, God's full forgiveness, complete, utter forgiveness, was not given. Now, you think that might be just for the Israelites back this day. But there are so many people who hang their salvation on offering a sacrifice again and again and again. Of giving maybe more to the church or doing more good deeds or or doing anything else. We talked about that last week. It is a treadmill. It becomes a burden on you because you never have assurance of your salvation. You're always saying, yes, I know Jesus saves me, but... And any time you put a comma, a plus sign, or but after that, you are relying not on Christ alone for your salvation. Because it is Him and Him alone. It is in Him and Him alone that you find complete forgiveness for your salvation. So, who is Jesus? Jesus is our high priest. He is our perfect sacrifice. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. When Jesus came, he fulfilled completely the role of the high priest and he gave a perfect sacrifice. So let's just compare the Old Testament high priest with the New, with the New Testament high priest who is Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the high priest was born in sin and his life had a beginning and an end. Jesus was without sin, and his life and rule is eternal. The Old Testament high priest was called by God from among men. Jesus came from God to be among men. The priest is over Israel. Jesus is over all of that which is seen and unseen. In the Old Testament, the priest had to part a curtain that was made by human hands to go into the Holy of Holies. Jesus parted the curtain through his death and resurrection into the greater glory, the glory of the heavenly. And finally, the Old Testament priest stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus stands before the very throne of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we could go on and on and on. But I think you see the distinction. The Old Testament high priest was a, but a shadow that pointed to the fulfillment of, high, of Jesus as a high priest and perfect sacrifice. Remember, it says this, He entered once for all in the holy places, not by the means of blood or goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption 
He was the perfect sacrifice, unblemished, sinless. What did John the Baptist say? He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in 1 John chapter 2, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And the sacrifice he made was complete. It says this, he entered once for all into the holy places. That little phrase is important because it speaks to the completeness of what Jesus did. There was nothing left out in his sacrifice. It is reminiscent of the cry of Jesus before he died. It is finished. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant that it is finished all, complete for all time. There's nothing more to do. The atonement was perfect. Hebrews chapter 7. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself in Hebrews chapter 10. And, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in his completed work, you and I are purified. It says this, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself up without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Are you familiar with the term blood guilt at all? When a person is innocently killed, there is grief, there is guilt that comes over you because you know that it was wrong. And there's a guilt that often comes and is over you your entire life. And you often try to somehow make up for that guilt your entire life. But you can't, even though you try really hard. How many of you remember, or have at least heard now, of the play Macbeth? You, you, yes. <laughs> so Lady Macbeth, you've heard of Lady Macbeth? The, so she actually didn't kill the king, but she egged her husband on, Macbeth, to kill someone else. And she was overcome with guilt. And there's a scene in there in which she's trying to rub, to wash the blood-stained guilt off her hands. And the famous line is, out, damn spot, out, I say. And so she is overcome with this guilt. And this is what sin is like. It stains us through and through, and no matter how Hard, we try, we cannot get that off. 
This, by the way, is one of the reasons why so many prisoners come to Christ. Because they realize that there is no other way they can find forgiveness that is in Him and Him alone. That forgiveness is given. That they are purified. Their conscience made clean. It says this, Let us draw near with a true true heart in full assurance of faith with a sprinkled heart with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water Christ Jesus is the perfect sacrifice perfect atonement and thus through him and him alone we are washed clean and through him and him alone we are saved and he is not only the high priest He is our perfect sacrifice. He is God's perfect sacrifice. He is the mediator. It says this, verse 15, Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. You know, we've done this before. We haven't done it for a while. Therefore is always an important word, right? You always have to say, what's the therefore? Therefore. Okay? So it says, therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore? It is because this. It is the culmination. Because Jesus Christ is the high priest. Because he is God's perfect sacrifice. Therefore, he is the only mediator. He is the only mediator of a new covenant. As Jesus himself said in our gospel reading today, he himself is the door by which we enter and are saved. And it's by him and him alone that there is promise of salvation. Buddha is not your mediator. Nor is Muhammad. Nor is Krishna. Nor is the Pope nor is Mary, nor are any of the saints, nor is a pastor or priest your mediator for salvation. It is in Christ and Him and Him alone. Yeah, let's, amen, amen. You can't add anything to the cross. If you add something to the cross of Christ, You say that his cross is not sufficient. You see, he doesn't stand before the mercy seat. He himself is the mercy seat, and he stands before the very throne of God. He's our intercessor. So the question for you this morning is, to whom or to what does your faith cling to? See, we don't cling to the church for salvation. We don't cling to a pastor or priest or pope or cardinal or any other human being for salvation. Because all of those will fail or falter at some point. And many people, many people 
will say, I put my faith in a church. I put my faith in a pastor. I put my saving faith in a priest. And when they fail, the church, their faith, I'm sorry, their faith fails. I've said this before. It's also in a video that I did on discipleship, the three-part series. You see, from Jesus and him alone, we receive the very mercy of God. It is from Jesus and him alone that the grace of God is made manifest, and it is by faith alone in Christ Jesus we, ret- we receive eternal life. Jesus alone is our high priest and perfect sacrifice and thus the only mediator who saves us. This is what was stake in the Reformation. I guarantee you the same thing is at stake this very day. And it's always been at stake. So there are three things. You should start to put this all together for you. We did a three-part mini-series on the Reformation. There's more to it. But for you, you need to put the pieces together. What does it mean? How does it apply to you that Scripture alone is the source of, your, of, of authority in all matters of your faith and life? What does it mean that faith and faith alone in Christ Jesus and His gospel secures your salvation? That God declares you righteous. And what does it mean that Christ and Christ alone, in Him alone, is your salvation? Going back to Acts. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen.